like very long time, but they are so faithful in their ministry and being involved in worship and in pastoral roles and everything like that. I'm sure most of you guys know Lyndon and Laura. <laughs> they're they're just awesome. I'll pray for them and then they'll and they'll share what they have to say. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless Lyndon and Laura. I thank you for all that you've used them for. I just pray that you would give them the words to say this morning, that we would um, be drawn close to you, Jesus, because of what they have to say. Um, would you bless them and just give them peace and give them uh, rest in you, that you are using them. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks very much, Luke. So uh, some of you know us super well, uh, but I know there's lots of you who don't know us at all. So we'll just do a little quick intro. Um, Lyndon and Laura Thomas. Uh, we've been here, as Luke said, from the beginning, and we were at Highway 33 before that. Uh, we've been in Canada for, it'll be 25 years in February, which is crazy. And we've been married for 31 years, which is crazier. So obviously we got married when we were like 10, because uh, we do that in the UK. <laughs> and uh, actually, I did start dating Lyndon when I was 14, so we have been together for like ever, um, which is great. Yeah. Uh, we have three grown children. Um, Charlotte is uh, nearly 27, and she's married and lives in Vancouver. Jameson is 22. He's also studying in Vancouver. And then baby Jacob is 20, and he's studying at University of Toronto, but he's actually here today. We have one kid in the city at the moment. Woo! <laughs> but we are empty nesters. Um, yeah, and then we also have um, the main member of the family. Hello. Next slide, Joseph. <laughs> Which is Lily the Bulldog. <laughs> and she basically rules the roost. <laughs> so that's the family. That's who we are. Uh, Lyndon is a businessman in town. He is a quantity surveyor, which is a construction cost consultant. I am, I am not. <laughs> I'm actually a published author. I write Christian fiction, and I blog, and I write devotionals. Um, so he's all about the numbers, and I'm all about the letters, and it works. Over to you. Thanks, honey. We could be here a while because we're both talkers as well. Anyway, we'll try, we'll try and get on with this. And <laughs> um, moving along. Um, today we want to share something with you about God's faithfulness and uh, what we have experienced through the various seasons of our life together, which has been a long time. I often refer to life with Laura and life before Laura. And the life before Laura, it was, well, let's just move on. It's, there's not a whole lot to talk about there, but... Um, We've been together a long time, haven't we? Long time. Anyway, we're still together, still happy as well. So, um, what are some of the things you think of if I say the word faithful this morning? What, what, do, what do you think of when you hear the word faithful? Maybe some of the, the words that are going through your head right now are words like true or uh, devoted or constant, loyal, dependable. Steadfast. These are just some of the things that uh, we think of when we think of that word faithful. And faithfulness is one of God's attributes. And by attributes, I mean a quality or characteristic concerning God that he has chosen to make known to us. So, for example, we talk about the love of God or the mercy of God or the holiness of God, or the justice of God. These are just some examples of God's attributes. And God's faithfulness is tied to the fact that God 
is completely unchanging. That is another one of his attributes. He's unchanging. Theologians use this great long word. It's not that long, actually. It's a word called immutable. And it means this, that over time, God is completely unchanging. In fact, he is unable to change. Now, the great hymn writer who wrote that very famous uh, hymn, Great is the... I nearly said film then. Hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. He really understood this truth about how God's faithfulness is linked with his immutability. These are the words to that hymn. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. God is completely unchanging. Now this is a strange concept for us, isn't it? Because we are always changing. We grow older for a start. We're always trying to become a a better version of ourselves, aren't we? Whether it be a fitter version or a, a more educated version or a more reliable version, or, or if you're a Christian, maybe a, a more Christ-like version of the person you are. But God cannot change. He can't become a better version of himself because he is perfect. And to imply otherwise would mean that he is not God. So it follows that if God is unchanging, then he cannot be unfaithful. All of God's acts are consistent with his attributes. And so we can say with certainty that everything God has promised will come to pass. His faithfulness guarantees this. He does not lie. And this is extremely important for us as Christians, isn't it? Followers of Jesus, because it's his faithfulness. It's on his faithfulness that our hope of eternal life and security rests. God is completely faithful. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9, it says this, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. My wife found this quote from C.H. Spurgeon. It's awesome. It says this, God writes with a pen that never blots, speaks with a tongue that never slips, acts with a hand that never fails. So let's get into the seasons. We're going to start with autumn. Autumn, God is faithful in his provision. Wales. If you've been around here long enough, you've heard a little bit about Wales from Pastor Glenn. Not always in the greatest light. And you might wonder, who would ever want to actually live there? And to be quite honest, I really didn't. At the age of 13, I had uh, no desire to move from my beautiful home in the south coast of England to Wales. Why didn't you tell us what you were really thinking, Henry? <laughs> there, there are some really great things about Wales, though. So, some of you may remember, um, I was stood up here back in the winter, and I shared a little bit of my uh, testimony of how I became a Christian, and um, how my life was largely impacted when my dad was converted from a life of alcoholism. And he turned his life completely around and uh, knew Jesus as Lord. And I, I, it impacted me greatly. And even at the age of 11, I too became a Christian, as did my mum. It was all good. However, a year later, my dad announced to us that he really felt God was calling him to go to Bible school. 
um, just to learn more. He was, he was a preacher right from the moment he was saved. He'd never been to church. He didn't know any Christian stuff, but he was a preacher. So he thought it best that he learned the Bible. <laughs> and so, um, okay, so that, that, was, that was the first thing. It's like, okay, so things are changing. Dad's going to Bible school. And then he announced that he was going to go to Bible school in Wales. That didn't sit terribly well with his wife and daughters. And you have to remember, the whole faith thing was very, very new for us back then. Um, And for my mom especially, I really feel for her looking back. Uh, She knew that her husband wanted to follow God and obey him and and go learn Bible college stuff. But she really didn't want to leave her family and friends. And we've always lived in Bournemouth on the south coast of England. So it was tough. And she actually came to the point where she said, well, maybe God wants you to go on your own and we'll stay here. And maybe you could come home on the weekends, but I'm not feeling it. Things were a little icy at home, to say the (laughs) least. Um, Much of my childhood was actually spent in the beautiful beaches of Bournemouth. That's why I didn't want to leave. It's a gorgeous place when the sun's shining. It really is. And then one of these beach days that we were having during this time of iciness at home. We were just there having a great family day and my dad went in for a swim into the sea and he came out rather sheepishly and said, "Um, I've lost my wedding ring in the the ocean. And so my mum immediately was, it's a sign. You're going, you have to go on your own. You'll have to go to Bible college on your own and leave us. And it's, it's a sign. It's God telling us that this is definitely, I was right, this is definitely what has, has got to happen. So my dad, bless him, he was like, no, like, I don't think God wants our family to be apart. Um, in fact, we're going to find that ring, and that will be the sign. Bold move, Dad. <laughs> so the hunt began. Needle in a haystack. Try itsy-bitsy little gold ring in a massive great big sea with, like, hundreds of people and sand and shells and all the things happening. Needless to say, we didn't find the ring. So we went home a little disillusioned that night and wondering what God was up to and what to make of it all. But the next day, we traipsed back down to that beach to look again. As you can imagine, all the kids were just thrilled. And I actually brought my best friend and her little brother as well to join our motley crew. And so there we were, just (laughs) trying to do this pathetic treasure hunt, looking for a little ring in the massive ocean. And suddenly, my friend's little brother plucks a ring of gold from the ocean and says, Is this it? It was. It was my dad's wedding ring. The tide had come in and out, and everything had happened in between, but the wedding ring was found the sign right <laughs> so needless to say it was it was a huge boost for our family faith and um yeah let's just say we went home and packed so the move to wales was definitely happening and so we not only packed up our stuff but we actually um sold everything and my parents gave everything away and thus began our three-year journey of living by faith Um, while dad was at Bible school and they raised four daughters. It was interesting times, but God's faithfulness was just incredible in very tangible ways. 
And even as a bit of an angsty young teen who didn't really want to be where she was, even I couldn't deny the fact that God's faithfulness showed up again and again in tangible ways like a meal on the doorstep, cash in an envelope just when my parents needed it. And so, yeah, my, my trust in him grew immeasurably at that time. And, and I can honestly say that God showed himself so faithful. Autumn is a, a great time for us to remember God's faithfulness, isn't it? His faithful provision. We often gather together as families and come together and enjoy uh, all the wonderful things that this season uh, has for us. And um, the harvest is being brought in and we, we remember how faithful God truly is. Now, Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, as we were preparing this, I was thinking to myself, I've known Laura's parents now for the thick end of 40 years. It seems like forever. They were like in their 30s, I guess, when I first met them. But they, they are wonderful people. They're coming to spend a couple of weeks with us in September, actually, so you get to uh, to, to, to see them and meet them. But um, I've been able to observe Laura's mum and dad. As a little bit of a side here, I used to tease Laura's mother like crazy, particularly after I was married. I used to come out with all the mother-in-law jokes all the time. And I used to go around and tell everybody, oh, my, my mother-in-law, I feel really sorry for her. She had, um, she had bypass surgery when she was young. And people would go, oh, what bypass surgery did she have? Oh, she had a charisma bypass, you know. And I used to think this was just hilarious. Until not hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until until we're all sat around the dinner table. Do you remember? And you, you went, Mum, did you know that Lyndon tells all these jokes about you? Well, I had some backpedaling to do, didn't I? Yeah, you threw me under the bus, honey. I think that's uh, isn't it? Your sins will find you out. Yeah, I think so. Around. Yeah, probably, probably. But no, I, I've observed this couple. They're wonderful people. I have complete, genuine respect for my my father and my mother-in-law. And um, one of the things I respect the most in is this. They found complete financial freedom by giving everything away and living for the last 40 years that I've known them by faith. And uh, uh, they truly are content, um, whatever the circumstances in life. And that's been a great testimony for me, because particularly for the type of character I am as well. Now, this verse I have just quoted can be taken out of context because the promise in verse 19 follows a whole other eight verses that describes the faithful steward. Um, in this passage, we read about the Philippian Christians, and it says there they did, they'd given all of their resources to God, even to the point where their, whole, uh, their own livelihood was endangered, and God would supply everything they needed. And I saw that. As a young Christian, I saw that in Laura's family. And so as I, I watched this young family move to Dennis Powys, that's where I grew up, come to church, the, the church I was attending, and I noticed this very attractive English girl, their older daughter. Um, I also saw this devoted family who had given everything for the cause of Christ. And because of their obedience to his calling, uh, for their willingness to sacrifice a really comfortable life on the south coast of England and, and come to Wales. It was quite a primitive country at the time. I think the automobile had just arrived. Um, there was rumors that television existed. Um, uh, and, and, of course, they came and they experienced God meeting all their needs according to his glory. 
we go to the next season, it takes us to winter. God is faithful in the unknown. The roller coaster. The scariest year of my life happened not long after we actually moved to Canada from the UK. We settled in Kelowna and our, with our toddler daughter, and things were pretty much going to plan, our plan at least, um, including getting pregnant. And then the roller coaster set off. Within 12 months, we miscarried, then we got pregnant again, and then we found out uh, that I had complications with something called placenta previa, uh, which meant that there was a good chance that uh, things were going to get pretty dicey when it came to birth time. And they did, <laughs> big time. Worst case scenario, um, I was actually whisked away in an air ambulance in this teeny weeny little plane, like me, the pilot, the medic, um, on our way to BC Women's, and, and as, as we flew to Vancouver, they were experiencing the worst storm they had had in 34 years, that particular moment. So we ended up circling in that teeny-weeny plane for an extra hour, and I wasn't supposed to be moved at all, and there was a lot of moving going on <laughs> in that turbulence, let me tell you. So it was, it was a scary time. And in, in that plane, in that moment, I was actually filled with fear. The crushing fear that we literally might not make it down onto the land again. The fear that I was very much alone in a pretty new country in a, in a different city without Lyndon. The fear that my baby might not make it and the fear actually that they said that I might not make it either. It was, it was pretty dicey times. So many unknowns at that moment, but God. I think it happened sometime in that little plane that I felt this blanket of peace that settled over me. And I knew that nothing takes God by surprise. He had me safely in his arms, and he promised to never leave or forsake me. If that was my moment to leave this world, I was actually okay. I was, I was confident because I knew I was going to go be with him in heaven and that he would take care of my family and all the details. It's hard for me to explain, but for that, we did, we did land. <laughs> and for that next six weeks of lying in a hospital bed in Vancouver, it was sweet and, and serene and very surreal. But I, I had the peace of God like I've never experienced before. Lyndon, however, suffered a very different time while I was on my happy cloud <laughs> and, and, and doing my thing in a hospital bed there. He was left here in Kelowna trying to figure everything out. But even then, God showed his faithfulness. We were young, we were broke, and we had a jalopy of a car. It was the ugliest thing you ever did see, like a two-tone brown Dodge with velvet seats. And it was like, it cost us, what, 750 bucks? Yeah, yeah. And it lasted yeah. about three years. Yeah, yeah. At least. It just wouldn't die. It wouldn't yeah. die. But Lyndon used to have, because I was in Vancouver, he was here in Kelowna, so he used to take that jalopy onto the Coquihalla, which was, it shouldn't have been allowed, but numerous times just to come so he could be with me. And he, every time he made that journey, it was a mini miracle, right? Yeah, it was. It really was. And with these extra expenses, Lyndon found himself looking at our bank balance and questioning whether we could even afford to give like a monthly tithe, a little church offering that we were really faithful doing that. And he was getting really 
having some tithe stressing going on because he was thinking, I don't think I can afford to do this even because of all these extra expenses. But he did it anyway. He put it in the offering that Sunday. And that very week, he received an envelope in the mail, snail mail. This is back in the day, remember? And um, it was a check in Canadian dollars for the very exact amount that he put in that offering basket. And we don't know who it was from. It was random. And it was just like God was saying, I see you. I've got this. It was amazing. God's faithfulness comes to us in big and small ways, doesn't it? He knows precisely what we need to hear and when we need to hear it. And back to me hanging out in the hospital bed there. We beat all the odds, and we had a tiny little baby boy with a big name, Jameson Benjamin Alexander Thomas. And he's now, it's not lost on me that he's now living back in Vancouver doing his Master of Divinity. God is really faithful. Thanks, honey. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was an interesting time. Just to set some context here, we used to live on McIver Road in West Bank. I used to drive down to Zeller's before those trips, and I used to walk in, and I used to buy six liters of oil just in those little things. I used to get to the top of the Coquihalla, two used to go in, and then I could coast all the way. It was like this black plume behind us. The ozone was cringing every time I took that. It was just crazy. But we often find ourselves trusting God most in the unknown, don't we? Uh, When we are in the winter, when things are, are completely out of control. And it's oftentimes like that that we experience God come through for us in very mighty ways. Deuteronomy chapter... I have a problem saying that. We'll just look up... Deuteronomy? Thanks, honey. Chapter 7, verse 10 says this. It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a, a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Now, the context of this verse in chapter 7 here is God telling the nation of Israel that they are a chosen people. Um, Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth at that time, God chose them to be his treasured possession. Now, he didn't choose them because they were a superior people. He didn't choose them because they were more numerous than other peoples. He chose them simply because he loved them. He chose them because of the oath he had made to their forefathers. And by his grace and mercy, he entered into a covenant relationship with his people based on his faithfulness and his love and their obedience to his word. And so as they are gathered there on the edge of the promised land, ready to go in and take possession of what God has promised them, with Joshua their leader, there were many unknown obstacles before them. We've recently gone through that series with Pastor Glenn in the book of Joshua, haven't we? And we know that there were powerful enemies there. There were giant warriors. There were physical obstructions to overcome. There were mighty fortified cities, just to name a few of the challenges that lay before that people group there. And many things to be fearful of because of the unknown. They didn't know what was going to happen or how they were going to overcome They needed God to come through for them in a very very mighty way. And in this book, the book of Deuteronomy, the key word there is simply this, remember. Remember. And what were they to remember? Well, it says in chapter 7, verse 10 there, remember this, God is faithful, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him 
and keep his commands. Now, something Laura and I wanted to make really clear today, and those of you who know us will know this, um, we haven't got all this thing on the faithfulness of God figured out by any means at all. I don't think, I don't want you to look at us and think, oh, I want, no. Although God came through in a miraculous way, I still doubt him. I still fail to trust him. I'm naturally anxious, uh, naturally untrusting. Uh, sound wonderful, don't I? I? I am not always faithful to what I say, uh, I say and do. But I, I, I know this, I know this. Even when I am faithless, God is still faithful. This is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. And what he means there is that he cannot be false. He cannot deny himself. During this very unknown, very stressful, uncertain winter season of life, while Laura was in Vancouver and I was trying to take care of our little daughter in Kelowna, I did have the help of Laura's mother, who is marvelous, and she's always been there for us. But I was angry at God. I was really angry. I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't pray. But I could read hymns, and uh, that was what, what brought me through at that time. So looking back, I learned this. God's promises are absolutely secure, and his presence never left us. Let's get out of winter, and let's get into spring, shall we? Yeah. Spring, God is faithful in his guidance. A new journey. We often refer to life as being a journey, don't we? And for any kind of a journey, we need some sort of a map or a GPS. And as Christians, we need God desperately to guide us through our lives. I can look back on certain times and see where I have asked God for guidance and literally begged him, what do I do here? What, where do I go? And he's always come through for me, for sure, even when I was dragging my heels going to Wales. But in that even in Wales, even in Wales, bless it, there were good things. I found my husband, we had our daughter, we had, you know, a beautiful wedding in a Welsh village. That was before the daughter, sorry. <laughs> I was a little out of order, <laughs> in case mum's watching. <laughs> and uh, then we had the daughter, and then we had our dream of moving abroad somewhere one day. I always feel kind of apologetic when people say, so what's your story? Why did you come to Canada from the UK? Because uh, it's kind of lame. And I, I love to be a storyteller, but it's, it really literally is. Linton and I were teenagers with the dream to live abroad. That's, that was literally the reason. Just as teenagers, we always kind of had the itchy feet going and we were like, what would it be like to live in a new country? And then when we first got married, we actually looked into Australia and we got the paperwork and everything. Um, but then, <laughs> can I say about this? Lyndon doesn't like spiders. <laughs> and, and they have really big ones there. <laughs> so we axed that on the head because we agreed we both had to be like 100% sure wherever we were going. So the next one was Canada. And hey, Canada was the number one country in the world to live. This is back in 1995. I'm sure it still is. But it, back then, it for sure was. And it was back in the day, like youngsters, this was before computers. So we would go to the library and get out books to look at Canada and just to see pictures of <laughs> where we were going. 
<laughs> it was very exciting. But it was a huge move. It was massive. I mean, it, what, there was no email. Literally, we would be writing paper letters to our loved ones back home and five minutes maximum on international calls because it was so expensive. It's crazy. So we didn't want to mess up. We wanted to be only where God wanted us to be. And so we prayed our way over here. We literally did, you guys. We, there were so many doors that had to be opened. There were so many hoops we had to go through and red tape and such. And so we literally prayed that God would slam doors in our faces if this was not where he wanted us to be. But those doors just kept opening. So we just kept walking through them, didn't we? And then we arrived in Vancouver with a little two-year-old and with our suitcases and with no job. And it was fun. We were like, okay, <laughs> now what, God? And we never second-guessed or questioned God. And like Lyndon said, it wasn't because we were these super-Christians with massive faith. It was just because God always proved himself faithful. And within six weeks, we were settled in Kelowna with a job and a church family. And um, yeah, our life just began right there. And when we left the UK, my dad actually gave me these verses from Psalm 139. Wonderful verses. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And personally, I find it a huge comfort that God is a God of detail and that he knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And I found this a comfort even with our grown children as they've gone and spread their wings and, and done their own journey just knowing that God is faithful for them too. And so, yeah, that's it. God is really faithful. Hmm. When, uh, when I think about journeying through life and guidance, I, I personally am drawn to a, an image of a boat. And um, I just want to paint a picture for you this morning. Imagine for a minute a boat on the water in the middle of a violent storm. Imagine its engine has failed and uh, the storm is driving the boat towards the rocks. And imagine the captain in desperation letting down the anchor into the water to try and hold the boat from going onto the rocks. And all the anchor finds on the bed of the sea is shifting sand. Life can be like that, can't it? Everything seems to be constantly shifting. And as we journey through life, things are constantly changing. In fact, things are changing at an alarming pace. But God is secure. His promises are secure, and he faithfully guides. I love this verse from Hebrews chapter 6. It's up on the screen. We have this hope. Oh, there it is. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. God's promises are secure. He is faithful. Our hope can be secure in him. And this verse describes it, this hope, as an anchor for the soul. And the anchor is not trying to find purchase in the shifting sand of the seabed. Rather, it enters into the very presence of God, into the sanctuary, and this anchor is fastened to the unshifting th throne of the Lord God Almighty. Just think about that for a minute. Consider this. 
all the weight of the all-powerful Godhead pressing down on a throne which the anchor of our hope is secured to. Do you know where the other end of the anchor is? The chain bit that's normally fastened to the boat. It's right here. And all we have to do is grip it with our heart and take hold of these promises. He cannot lie and his word is completely secure. And finally, Summer. God is faithful when we are fine. I'm fine. Like, how often do we say that? <laughs> we, sometimes it's, it's a lie. Sometimes we're not fine. But um, today, I literally am fine. <laughs> I've got to say, this month has been a bit of a doozy. When I wasn't fine, um, our poor youngest, Jacob, um, had a regular tonsillectomy, which turned into a nightmare with five more visits to the hospital and another surgery and hemorrhaging from the mouth at 3.30 in the morning. All those things that you really don't want to happen. He's, he's here now. He's, he's fine and he is recovering. And we are all now able to do a collective exhale. Thankfully, amidst trials and all the crazy stuff that happens in life, we do have these periods of rest of where we can just like get refreshment and refuel and it's kind of like we're in summer mode when we, we are kind of kind of fine as fine as we can be and it's good to know that God's faithfulness does not change ever he's just as faithful when we're fine as when we're frantic perhaps in these summer seasons we need to be a little more intentional about reflecting on his goodness when we can look back, it's, it's been great for us this last couple of weeks, just kind of reminiscing and looking back on, on what God's done for us and our journey through the years and everything. And it's been great to look at those mini miracles and the audacious answers to prayer as well. I love this quote by Ravi Zacharias. He says, there is no greater discovery than seeing God as the author of your destiny. And I can look back now and see God's thread of grace woven through my life, right from when he rocked our family's boat and, and, and slammed into our lives and took us to Wales and finding my husband and having my kids and homeschooling and remaining relatively sane after 13 years of doing that. And then following my passion of being able to write books. He's, he's been with me through it all. There have been a lot of speed bumps. Don't get me wrong. It has not all been rosy. But he's always been there for me, even when my faith has been wobbly. And he will continue to be faithful as well. Isn't that wonderful? There's not many things that are guaranteed in this life for us. But God's faithfulness is something that is a guarantee for us, right to our very last breath. And I want to remember his grace and his goodness. And I have a horrific memory, like really bad memory. And so I keep a gratitude journal where I literally will just write down everything from thank you for saving Jacob's life when he was hemorrhaging to thank you for that great chocolate ice cream I just had. Like everything, all, and then I look back and I see all the good things that God has done and how he has been faithful. And then I just want to finish with uh, some verses from Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Quick question here. There's probably a lot of chocolate in that gratitude book, eh? Yes. <laughs> As we look out in the congregation this morning, we realize that uh, 
all of us are in different seasons of life, aren't we? You may be anxious here this morning. You may be fearful or discouraged. You may be tempted or oppressed in some way. Or you may be just genuinely feeling fine. Um, Wherever we are at, if we are children of God, trusting, believing, and following him, we can find assurance in the fact that our heavenly Father is faithful. He will always be true to his promises and his words that are pledged to us. He will never remove his loving kindness from us, and his faithfulness will never, ever end. Perhaps this is all brand new for you here this morning. Perhaps you struggle with the notion of fully trusting a God you cannot see. Well, this has been for you too, because as I mentioned earlier, God's faithfulness extends to all. And hopefully something from our stories through the seasons will help you understand that we have a God who is fully faithful and he will be with us right until the end when we take our last breath. And that's my life verse, Philippians 1.6. I've found it to be so true, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on till com- its completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He is faithful. He will carry us through right to that day when we will meet him face to face. I'm just going to call the worship team up. I'm just going to uh, pray as they come up. And um, I think we got a last song. We've got time, haven't we, Lou? Yeah? Okay, thanks. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you truly are a faithful God. And we thank you that your faithfulness is tied up with the fact that you are completely immutable, that you cannot change, that you do not change, that you remain the same, that you are constant. And we thank you because of that, that we can look at your your words in the Bible, and we can read those promises about your faithfulness and about your love and about your mercy and about your justice and all these things that speak about your character and who you are. And remember that you are truly, fully faithful. Lord, I thank you that we have found you faithful in our lives, that as we look back on each step of our journey, you have been there right with us and we thank you that that is the testimony of so many in this room this morning and so father we pray that by your spirit you might just come and assure us of these facts regardless of where we're at in life lord whether we're feeling fine or whether we're feeling oppressed at the moment whether we're feeling tired and exhausted without hope we thank you for that that assurance, that deep assurance that your hope, our hope, is an anchor that's secured to the never-shifting throne of the Almighty God. So we commit this week to you. We commit our lives to you. We pray for a blessing upon us. For we ask these things in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.